Hey you, welcome to Live with Liv, a show where I get real with friends, entrepreneurs, celebs, artists, and just all around cool, down-to-earth humans who do incredible things. This is all a rerun from my Instagram Live, so please excuse any colloquialisms, silly sounds, or verbal mishaps. Listen while cleaning your room, working out, or taking a drive. I can't wait to hear what you think. So I started writing when I was in high school. Actually, my story is not a, is in some ways kind of like not a great story. It's a sort of a weird story, but um, I had, I was like not a great student. I went to a very sort of pretty good, but not great high school. I did not distinguish myself in any way. I, I was dyslexic and I wasn't like, I wasn't talented kid. You know, there were kids in the grade that were talented. I was not one of those kids. I was sort of, and I wasn't, people didn't, I, I didn't have any particularly distinguishing characteristics, which I think is, um, I appreciate that about myself. Um, and uh, I went to, I became like a terrible drug addict in high school. And I had a family of a lot of alcoholism. And um, I got into this college I didn't really deserve to go to. And um, I got there and I, the wheels just came off. Like I just got really into drugs. And so I went to rehab. I got, I went, got sent to rehab. And in rehab, um, I don't know, I just got sober and I've been sober since I was 19, but, which has been really great for my story. Um, but then I came home and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go back to college. And I just couldn't imagine going back to college sober. It really freaked me out. And I was already sort of socially awkward. And the idea of like going with these college kids who were like beautiful and, and I just couldn't face it. So I, my mom had, like, I was like the big fuck up in the family, right? Because everyone else had advanced degrees and they were this and they were that. And here I am, like the first person to drop out of college in my, you know, they were all like horrified. Right. So I, I said to my mom, well, if I publish a book, do I have to go back to college? And she said, you know, if you can figure out a way to publish a book, you don't have to go back to college. So I was like, forget it. I'm going to, um, I said, forget it. I'm going to publish, I'll publish a book. And so that's, so I, I mean, it was a very different time. It was like the year 2000. So there were a lot more books being published. It was not, it gets much harder now to publish a book. And also when you're young, and this is something people should know when they're listening to this is, when you're young, people want to know what young people think. So you have this advantage in a strange way. I mean, my son, my high school age son has been writing pieces and like people want to know what teenagers think and there aren't that many teenagers writing. So you do have a huge advantage. And that's why when you're young, you should definitely write and publish as much as anyone will let you. Um, and don't feel like the worst thing you can do is be like, oh, my experience doesn't matter. Your experience is fascinating. Like the experience of a 13 year old, there are no 13 year olds writing, you know, like we want to hear that. And that my 16 year old, I say to him, like we, the world wants to know what a 16 year old is thinking. That's fascinating. So, um, so I don't think it's, I don't think you shouldn't feel like you don't have a story to tell. So I, um, I published this book. I was like, the great story about this book is I was convinced that I would publish this book and everyone would love me. All I wanted was to be liked. Like all I cared about was like people liking me and 
And so I thought I'd publish this book and everyone would be like me. And every, and it was like, not, that is not what happens when you publish a book, in case you're wondering. And <laughs> people were really felt like I was, and also people were kind of felt like I was an asshole for publishing a book in 19. And they were like, fuck you. And it was really tough. Like there were, it was tough. And, um, but it was also a great experience for me because I became much less sensitive about things and I was able to put myself out there in a different way. And I didn't, and it didn't, it was okay. Like, you know, it's okay to have people not like you and that's fine. And that was like an amazing moment for me. So um, I started writing that way and I wrote a bunch of books and then I had a lot of children and then I came back to writing, but started writing more political stuff. That's right. And Tucker Carlson called me not super smart because I wrote something mean about Brett Easton Ellis, who actually, the, you know what the funny part of that story is? Brett Easton Ellis ended up, uh, my, my cousin ended up telling me this amazing story where Brett Easton Ellis came over to him and said, tell Molly I understand what she's been through. Some like very generous thing. Wow. So, yeah, it ended up being very cool. And so you, I was listening to something about how you were 19 and you dealt with such strong hate from people regarding this book. And especially there was one person who you shall not name, but you'll never forget his or her name. And right. it's interesting to me how you talk a lot about how you can get all the criticism or all the, the compliments in the world, but all it takes is one piece of criticism and it completely can have the ability yeah. to destroy you. So how do you deal with that or recommend that other people get over that one piece of bad news? Well, what's cool about it though, is you can have it and then you live through it and it's okay. Like now I've gotten enough bad reviews and good reviews and Tucker Carlson saying I'm dumb to, um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you get to a point where you're like, oh, Tucker, you know, it's funny right. when Tucker Carlson talks about you because you, are like, this guy has millions of people and he's got this dumb thing, you know, that, so that's kind of fun, but um, you don't get, you're not as sensitive anymore. Like mm -hmm. somebody says to me, your writing all sucks. You know, I know not all my writing sucks and some of my writing may suck and that's okay too. You know, right. like the other thing is I feel like, and this is cause I'm really old, I'm 41, I'm not that old, but you know what I mean? But you know, um, I don't, think I know that thinking about myself is not necessarily the answer to my problems. So mm -hmm. even if I'm, you know, whatever, that doesn't, I don't get as stuck on myself in that way. So yeah. it's, it's fine. And the other thing about it is the way the culture is now is very different in a way from the way it was when I was it published my first book. So when I published my first book, it was like, there wasn't the internet the same way. There wasn't cell phones the same way. You didn't have so much discourse back and forth. And mm -hmm. also only a few and few newspapers and magazines had all the power. And now the system is very decentralized. So you and, you know, a few influencers or, a, you know, a, a weird magazine no one's ever heard of in Germany. I, I mean, the way that everything is decentralized, you, people can make bestsellers out of anything or and there's much lower barrier to entry which is actually really good about with writing right. so you can write you don't have to I mean when I was young it was like if you didn't write for this one or that one and now it's like you really can write for anything mm -hmm. and we're 
you know, your words get out there, which is amazing. Right. And is there some sort of routine that you have to get into to be able to be cranking out all of these articles? Like, what is that space? Or is there a space where you need to set a routine in order to churn out something? Like, how do you get to that point? Um, you know, I get like, oh, this is due. I better get my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, I have three hours to do that. I mean, the one, I'm fine with anything except the one thing that nearly killed me was these writing these pieces after the debates because the, I am not used to, I, I can't make it past 11 because I'm, you know, I start falling asleep. And so some of these deba debates would end at 11 and then I have to write the piece. And I'd be up to like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning trying to get the piece done. And that was brutal. So as long as it's like I have daytime hours to write, I'm fine. But I enjoyed that too because it was really interesting and it was something I hadn't done when I was young, having to like write a piece in the middle of the night. So mm -hmm. it was fun for me. I like all of this. It's been really fun for me and really interesting. But remember, I'm coming back to it older. So it's like a different kind of phenomenon. A little right. Bit. And so how do you remain the same writer you've always been throughout your age and also by the way Melder I see you I see your comment and we're gonna get to that you know there are a lot of female issues especially in political times right now which we can or may not get into but you know how do you remain true to your facts while also leaning towards what you feel is right while also paying attention to the different sides of the spectrum that you have to remain allegiant to? Um, I would say that I, I mostly just try as much as possible to kind of do the work the way it's asked to be done as much mm -hmm. as, you know, and I try to make it um, fun, but I don't, I don't have the same kind of, you know, it, political writing is, is its own thing. And certain places like different kinds of writing, like some places you need to be a little more serious and other places can be a little more caustic. And um, so it's, it, it's, it, you know, sort of, you sort of get the sense of what you're supposed to be doing where, and that's very helpful. And then the more you do it, the easier it gets. And you can sort of see how it's supposed to go. I've learned the most from my editors at the beast though. And, um, They've really showed me how to, you know, craft things and make them interesting. There's a lot of kind of interesting math that goes into writing these pieces. Mm -hmm. And would you say that there's a piece that you're like most obsessed with or most proud of, or does it not exist? Because, you know, you're in a way, you're a designer of words and some right. designers are, have a favorite bag. Is there a favorite? <laughs> I mean, some things have been more fun than other things to write. Mm -hmm. I I just wrote a piece about Trump's war on female journalists. It's like a topic that's been discussed before, but for some reason, it was they, it seemed like he got a little bit worse over the last week. So that was sort of interesting, and I had been thinking about that a lot. I wrote something about um, you know the piece I wrote for the, I've written a couple pieces for Vogue about not wanting to leave New York, and that has really been valuable to me because I feel very connected to my city and um, I feel like that was a, as much as I've been really 
you know, I have all these children, one has asthma. So I was very back and forth about not leaving. And, you know, clearly we have a real coronavirus problem here. Um, but I did feel like I made the right decision and I was happy to get to write about my city. And I feel especially right now because there's so much um, hardship here, you know, financial hardship from all of our small businesses. And it just, um, it feels like a really important time to stay in New York and be a New Yorker and, and you know, and try to fight for my city. So I felt really glad about that stuff. And I've been really, you know, I feel like, especially net, you know, New York has been through such an up period when I, I mean, I grew up here and it was very, when I was young, it was like a lot of crime. And then um, it's been very fancy for like the last 20 years. And now we're going to go through another down period in New York. And like, I feel like it's really important for us to stay and take care of our city, which has right. been there for us. So. I agree. I miss it. I, I've been in Tribeca for two years and it's, I mean, it's definitely very removed. And when I leave Midtown and end up in my neighborhood, it's like peace and quiet and birds in comparison, right. but I miss it so much. And it's really crazy how the energy of a place you can feel when it's gone. So, you know, when I went to go pick up my things and at my parents' house, it, it was very, you feel it in the air. It's, yeah. it's, tangible and I, I can't wait to come back. Um, yes. So tell, tell us anything and everything about your passion for writing or how to nail down your niche or niche or, you know, because you've turned your activism into pieces of art, essentially, in the form of words. So how did you find that activism was your genre? I mean, I would say that it's really important when you're, if you want to be an aspire, uh, you know, if you want to write, I would just say the most important thing is to write a lot, find editors, you know, find the stuff you like, read it a lot, sort mm -hmm. of try to figure it out. So if you want to write uh, historical novels, read a lot of historical novels, follow writers of historical novels. You can, I mean, what's cool about the internet is you can write to them. Like, they might not write you back, but some of them will. And mm -hmm. um, I would sort of get involved in that go to book reading, sort of figure out what it is you want to do. I mean, my first advice would be not to be a writer, but if that cannot be avoided, then I would go, I would sort of come find the people who are doing what you want to be doing, mm -hmm. connect with them, find, figure out who their editors are and then pitch them, pitch them, pitch them because sooner or later, that kind of, um, you know, if you don't take it personally and you shouldn't take it personally because everyone gets rejected, that's how it goes. I get rejected, everyone gets rejected. And part of this job is is listening to rejection and being like, I, I'll i get you next time. Like, right. and not, you know, not being in denial, like knowing that maybe there was something that didn't work there, but like, just to keep going for it. and. Um, so I would say one of the things to do is just to keep going. And the other thing is to sort of figure out what it is that you want to be doing and, and try as hard as possible to figure out how those other people are doing it so you can do it too. Right. It's great advice. And you're such an incredible storyteller too. It's funny. I, I have a um, someone on here who is a journalism student and I always tell her, 
you know, it's so hard, but you have to learn how to just not be emotionally attached to what you write because you have to cut it. And it's like the hardest thing to learn, like take out the verys, take out the reallys, get to the hard facts. Um, that it's difficult to not feel a connection to your writing, even after I'm sure for you, you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I fall, but I don't trust, I mean, in a good way, I don't trust myself. So mm-hmm. if an editor says his paragraph is not good, I let them take it out. I'm not like, oh no, I'm a genius and I never make right. mistakes. <laughs> so that's good is there's a certain amount of humility, which is necessary, which is to say like, even though I like this sentence, there's a chance that other people won't or they, it doesn't make sense or it's not clear. So that would be what I would say is the more you can be humble and you can just try to do the work the best you can and do what's in front of you and listen to advice. And I mean, all of those things are very, are very useful um, in the writing process. What can we look forward to? Are there any pieces coming out that you're really excited about? Anything that we can, you know? So we have the podcast, which mm-hmm. is called The New Abnormal. You can find it on, on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's um, really fun. Rick Wilson and I, lots of, it's really, it's actually really fun. And it's not boring. Like, it's really fun. So we do that. Um, and that comes out on Fridays and Tuesdays. So there'll be another one on Tuesday. Okay, great. Well, until our next live, that is where I will be listening to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. amazing. Thanks. Bye. Have a great night. Bye. <laughs> it's really great to think that Molly is helping us work towards a world where we all can just be called journalists and it doesn't have to be female this or guy this it's just like Molly is an incredible journalist and that's why I wanted to have her here thanks for tuning in to live with live remember to be kind be you and take risks life is better when you just go for it see you next time live Schreiber